I'm Kara Infante, and this is Bookish Flights. In each episode, I chat with one bookish guest as we take some time to sample and savor the pairing recommendations from their bookish flight. We hope to give you suggestions to cultivate your TBR list and nurture your leisure time through books. In today's episode, I am chatting with Amanda Vernon. Amanda and I met after multiple friends told me, you need to meet my friend Amanda. You guys would get along great. To put this into context, we lived overseas in a community that only got smaller over time. I have always admired Amanda as she is incredibly motivated and is always pushing herself to be better. She is also a huge part of why you are hearing the podcast today. We were chatting one day when I told her my idea and she said, do it. In all reality though, she helped me organize my thoughts and get this whole project on paper and in motion. So a huge thank you to you, Amanda. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thanks, Kara. Thanks for having me. So why don't we start by you telling me a little bit about your reading life? Um, well, we should probably start with my current reading life because that's much more interesting. Okay. Um, I will admit that I wasn't a big reader from a young age. I think a mix of busy scheduling, um, difficulty reading because I was diagnosed with dyslexia at an early age, say about six maybe. Um, so for me, it was definitely a chore, um, which is partially why I love this podcast and what you're doing, because I also think a lot of it had to do with finding the right material or finding the right book to get into. Um, because I found that my reading probably took off after we moved to Sicily. And a lot of that had to do with slowing down time, um, having a little bit more time to myself, um, but also just being forced to find the right reading material. So I had the time to catch myself and be like, okay, I'm spending a lot of time on my phone or I'm spending a lot of time um, dabbling and not dedicating to anything. So really my reading i would say took off when i became pregnant with my first child who is now seven so we should say i've been consistently reading for almost eight years um where i'm reading you know maybe one or two books in a couple of weeks um where now it's really a part of my life yay i love that i would totally agree with you on the slowing down in living in sicily i think at first i was a little off put of like what do I do with my time? Um, <laughs> but now I realize what a gift it was now that we're back in the States. So what a gift that that slowed down time was to have. Yes, I think um, not only for my reading life, I should probably confess that it was a gift to me to stop and slow down and determine my values and figure out what's really important to me. And that kind of pushed me motherhood slash, um, I would say, to be a better partner, to be a better mother, to be a better partner. Um, and reading became a part of that because I started out by reading anything and everything I could get my hands on that had to do with motherhood, parenting, because I was, I was terrified. I was like, what is, what is this? Not only am I moving to a new country and we had the goal of starting a family, but we were successful. And I think that's underrated sometimes. I wasn't prepared to be that successful that quickly. Um, and then, you know, it 
became not about me anymore. And I started reaching for anything and everything. And I also was gifted a lot of books. Um, and I know you're a big book giver, which I do <laughs> as well. I think it's a great gift to give. And honestly, it's what started my journey. I was reading how to expect when you're expecting or what to expect when you're expecting. Um, I was given a book on breastfeeding, which another foreign topic, you know, to a new mom. It's just, I feel like it's not talked about enough. And I was reading articles. I had all the apps and everything that came with becoming a new mom, but it, I also was given, you know, funny books. And um, I don't know if you ever read Belly Laughs by Jenny McCarthy. No, I didn't. Um, but Jenny McCarthy, as we know, is a comedian and she wrote this book on becoming pregnant and becoming a mom. And it, it really was when I started realizing, okay, I'm not the only one nervous or scared, you know, this is, this is normal. And the books started the process for me and then conversation uh, continued on with other mothers like yourself. I think we met, was it after I had Evan, my second one? Yeah, you had Evan already. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like I was still lost, you know, I still consider myself to this day an early mom or a young mom. Um, cause my oldest is seven and basically what happens along this journey is that I was reading a bunch about, you know, how to be a good mom, how to be a better, um, person. And then all of a sudden that was the key word. How, how do I become a better person? Because everything I found out was reflective of me and what I was doing is what would carry over to my children. So, you know, that became kind of the transition into, okay. I was reading so much about, you know, expecting my firstborn, but really the reading turned into how can I be better for my firstborn, not necessarily be everything for them. Um, but what do I need to work on to become a better mother? And that's how I guess I fell into the genre that you are using me for today <laughs> <laughs> for self-help. Um, I like to call a lot of self-reflection um, books and I just learned really quickly or through, you know, becoming a mom that, okay, it's not just about being a good mom, being able to change a diaper or breastfeed. It's about being able to communicate well, being able to communicate with my partner. Oh my gosh. We really hit that big speed bump yes. when we became parents because, you know, you're, you look at them and you're like, how do you not know? I read all these books and this is what it says. And he's like, yeah, but that doesn't work for me. And I'm like, how dare you? Like, it works for everybody. Um, so yeah, I, I, Definitely after that started getting into reading where I started digging deep into my own self and again, having that time to dig into it because there were a lot of books that I had to put down, you know, and really process what I was reading, um, which is also how I read. I'm a big note taker. I have my notes with me right now uh, <laughs> to make sure that I stay, you know, on topic, but um, reading really opened up, I think, a channel to myself. And I think that's really important. And um, I know that you talk about giving time back to yourself. And I think reading kind of provides a platform for that and people should take advantage of it if they can. Yeah. And I, that's where I think your the gift of time comes in as yes. well. Like if we didn't, if we were so busy in our previous lives, we might not have had the time to, we may have stumbled along this path of self-discovery, but I <laughs> I think through reading, like you said, it just ignites that fire where it goes a little bit faster um, or you're, yeah, you have more it, time to spend doing it. And so you get along absolutely. that path. 
but it's like you said, you learned from reading these books, you learn from other people's experiences. And in my case in Sicily, when I arrived, I did actually did not have a lot of interaction with people. We were living out in town, which mm -hmm. for people that might be confused by that, <laughs> we are attached to a military base, but we did not live near the community. So books became my interaction and they became my source of conversation. I would read something, share it with my partner, share it with my friends. When I got a chance to see them, you know, the first question that everybody asks is, what have you been up to? You mm -hmm. know, what's going on? And it became my topic of conversation. And then I realized, as you said, it, it became a focus of mine and um, focused conversation is important. And I think it provides an outlet for us too, as a stay at home mom in our current job that we, don't always have the time to maybe go out and do all these things, but we can easily pick up a book. And so in a way, it whether we're doing the ones that are more like the introspective books or you're reading a historical fiction book that takes you on a journey to a different time and a different place, you have the ability to do that from your own home when maybe the baby's napping or... <laughs> hey, breastfeeding. I'm going to say it when yep. I was breastfeeding. <laughs> yep, I did. I didn't realize how much time you sit down um, and, and it's not even breastfeeding when you're feeding the baby, you have to sit, you can't really walk around and juggle a million things. And, um, you know, you get a lot of emotions involved. And, and as you said, I like to pick my books kind of based on my mood. It's kind of how I do music mm -hmm. or a movie, you know, you might feel in the mood for something uplifting. You might feel in the mood for something a little bit deeper. Um, and yeah, it was definitely an outlet or it is still an outlet for me. And it allows me to kind of relax. Um, I don't know if a lot of people experience this, but for me, it's very calming. Mm -hmm. So I do pick and choose my reading times based off of my mood or uh, maybe the material that I'm reading. So definitely, I, I am 100% on board with that thought that it is an outlet. It is a platform. Um, so many things, so many good things. To your point about reading at different times of day or based off the mood, what kind of, um, for these types of books, your, the self-help, the self-reflective books, what time of day do you find that you read them at? So self-help, um, self-reflective books, definitely for me, I have to read uh, first thing in the morning or afternoon, daytime for sure. Mm -hmm. So another thing that I make a joke about is that Part of the reason why I didn't read or didn't study is I would open up a book and start reading at, you know, at the end of the day and I would get so tired. I would be so tired and I drift off and then you wake up and you're like, what did I just read? Um, especially when it's something you need to absorb. And so going down this path and using these books um, for myself, I realized, no, I need to set time aside to really be able to engage with this and not forget what I read. Um, trust me, I tried to read some of some of these books, um, like Jordan Peterson, which we will talk about. They're heavy, heavy material um, books, and I need to be able to have my notes. I need to be able to write it down because for me, that's how I absorb information. Um, to read it, to see it, to write it down. Mm -hmm. You know that repetitive action really helps me. Now, there's definitely books out there that I didn't do that with, but if it's something that really resonates with me I'm like oh I gotta write that down you know and revisit that whether it's me individually revisiting it 
or maybe, oh, you know, make a little highlight. I really want to talk to Sam, my, my husband about this, you know, this is something important to me. I wonder what his feelings are. Um, and then, you know, fortunately, maybe unfortunate for you. <laughs> um, I, you know, I send you random thoughts, you know, quotes from things that I have read and I, I want to get other people's perspectives on it because this isn't just my own journey. I have to learn from other people. It's, it's really important to get other perspectives. Well, the book club books that we would read together, I would definitely have to read in the morning as well because that's when my <laughs> brain is the freshest. But this is what I recommend to people is that when you are reading, you know, you might have a morning and a nighttime book and that's Absolutely. okay. And because you're one might be a little bit denser material, like you're saying, or heavier material, something you want to digest, which for me, I'm a morning person. That's when I need to take that in. In the yep. evening, I need to read something that's a little bit lighter, that doesn't require as much thinking. So if I doze <laughs> off after two pages, I can pick it back up and not feel like I need need to reread that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I call it my nightstand book. Yep. So I have you know one or two books on my nightstand where, okay, tonight I'm going to read this. Um, and I have a friend that's explained to me that she's incredibly sensitive to what she reads before she goes to sleep. It affects her dreams. It affects her moods. Um, and you know what, I, I get it, yeah. you know, maybe that's why I venture to certain themes or subjects or genres that I do at certain times of the day, like you, I'm a morning person, or I like to think I am. Um, but I do feel like my brain operates a lot better after a good night's sleep. And I'm not going to lie. There's times where I might be in the middle of a book that I really want to work on, um, or read and no, I'm just too tired. And I have to give myself that grace too. So I agree with you 100%. Keep it on you. Um, there's different platforms now as far as your phone or a tablet or a hard copy, or whatever, I'm sure there's something I'm missing audio. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, things that allow you to get it in when you can, but also maybe based off of what what you can do or what you're capable of doing. Maybe I'm not capable of sitting down and reading today, but I can probably put in my headphones and listen to an audiobook while I'm working out. Or um, I'm a podcaster too, meaning I'm a listener, mm -hmm. listener. And I will choose to listen to podcasts um, maybe when I am busy, when I'm driving or doing dishes or working out. There are times when I choose that over music because I want that calming sensation and a little bit of, you know, time back to myself to just relax and get in what I want to get in for myself. I'm so glad you went back to that because I was, as you were speaking about that earlier, I had a point about that. I think as people that tell me two thoughts, they tell me, I don't like reading. My first thought is you just haven't found the right book for you because <laughs> <laughs> there's, there is something for everyone out there. Secondly, I also think that we with our go, go, go society that like sitting down with a book might to someone be like, Oh, I don't know if that's going to be really my thing. But I think we've gotten away from really maybe doing our leisure time. Well, like for me, I have found that reading actually recharges me or it changes my energy in the day where if I flipped, just flipped through my phone, let's say that I'm not going to get that same recharging from checking my email you know, flipping through social media for a little bit. I don't get that same change to me in the day where reading, I can really settle in. 
doesn't mean I always get all the time to do that, but it definitely changes the trajectory of my day a little bit. <laughs> well, definitely. I think, um, I mean, there's all kinds of science out there right now, right? Um, just about what our phones do to us. We're talking about dopamine hits, you know, mm-hmm. bam, bam, bam. And, you know, I, ha- I actually have had this conversation several times with my husband because, you know, I kind of harp on him. I'm like, why don't you pick up a book? Like, why don't you read something? And he's like, I am reading. I'm like, no, you're on your phone. You know, <laughs> that's, that's not reading. That's on your phone. But you know what? I should probably give him a little bit more, um, I guess, leeway on this because he could be reading something. You know, there could be a journal or an article that he is reading and he's not just on his phone, but he might be very engaged into what's on his phone because he could definitely turn that right back around on me and be like, well, you were on your phone for like 30 minutes. But what he doesn't know is that I was reading a novel on my phone. Um, But it is true. It's about the content that you're reading. And I do think that it's important for people to find something that they're interested in. I think that's important for engagement. And then also, um, like you said, there's different types of content out there that will engage you differently. So we are using there's so much to the brain, right? And we are using different parts of our brain depending upon what we're reading and, mm-hmm. and what we're putting in front of us. And as much as I try not to do a lot of screen time, I will have to admit that it also makes it very convenient to read what I want to read on these screens. And that's okay too, as long as, like what you said, you're picking something quality wise. Um, how am I spending my time when we get those notifications of, oh, you were up? you know, on your screen time, I do stop. And I think, well, why, you know, why is that? Why is it up this week? And it was down last week. And then sometimes I realized, oh, I was, I was reading, like I was caught reading on my phone a lot more this, this week. And that's okay. Um, as long as, you know, it's something that's worth your time. And I think that's very important. And maybe why, I have gone back to reading more is I do consider that more valuable than just scrolling on Facebook or, you know, other social media accounts, or even, you know, going down the rabbit hole that kind of takes you too far sometimes (laughs) where you, you start out with good intentions. And then you're like, wait, how did I get here? Why do I have an ad about this now on my phone? Oh, well, I Googled something and then I read three articles and ended up with an ad on my phone. Well, (laughs) you know, I probably could have stopped at that first Google search, you know, that number one link and stopped and then applied what I read instead of clicking. So I definitely agree with that. I think we use, we need to give ourselves more credit that we are worth our time and to make our time more valuable. Yeah. Cause we don't have a lot of it <laughs> with, <Yeah>. <laughs> with the day-to-day <laughs> tasks. So I think that is really important. And again, like you mentioned earlier, I'm hoping with the show that this will kind of help you sort through a little bit that I always think it helps to have a friend recommend a good book. And like you were saying, books you've maybe been gifted because you know that that person has probably read the material themselves and they're coming back to you saying, hey, this is a really good book. You should check it out because there are so many books out there. (laughs) So with this podcast and hoping to give you some great recommendations um, of books that my guests or I have already read and just to kind of help you sort through that a little bit. Yeah. And if a friend recommends a book, I find it's even more than this was just a really good book. They want to talk to you about it. And sometimes, like I said, that gives you a connection Mm -hmm. and we don't have to agree on everything. Um, and I, I definitely, 
press on that. And I always want to be considered a very open person. Mm -hmm. Um, But when someone recommends me a book, I take that as their invitation to a conversation. And I think that people should take those invitations more. We need to get out more. And Mm -hmm. if it's about reading a book and meeting up for coffee or just going on a walk to talk about a book, then great. I almost said Babene, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, <those laughs> My kids. Sicilian side came out. But yeah, Babene, like it's it's great. It's something to engage in. It's something to use your mind about. You're recalling information. You're coming up with new ideas. Um, I think a lot of people forget that it takes brain power to come up with a thought. And if we just expose ourselves to these things that are just told to us, we're not really thinking. We're not really using our brain and engaging Um and tapping into our skills. I think mm-hmm. it's fun to share about the stories and your experiences with books for sure. I will say that as we've moved around with the military, that books or a book club have always helped me find community and connection in the places that we're living. And like you said, it, that awkward period of when you're just meeting a friend of like the small talk and all of that. I feel like when we meet for a book club, it gives us a good starting ground because your life inevitably comes up as you're discussing a book because you're looking at how that book plays into your life or how you can maybe empathize with it because you've been in similar situations. And so I think that that helps create that connection and community. Yeah, for sure. Um, I've always been a fan of uh, being a part of a club or, you know, like you said, jumping into your community. I know people who do it through their faith, through churches, um, my, me, myself, and my family. It's always through sports, uh, whether it's my kids involved or my husband and I trying to do stuff that I'm probably too old for. But you, you get introduced to people that way. And honestly, I think that's probably what started our relationship here is we, I think I discovered that you were a reader and that struck my interest. And I was like, she, she reads, like maybe she'd be willing to read a book with me and yeah. go down that path. Cause like you said, we didn't, we were stay at home moms and we had more time yet. You don't have that much time to dedicate to a club or some sort of event. Cause you're balancing out family time and work time and, you know, nap times and everything else that when we did get together, it was like, okay, I need to get my kids outside. They're going crazy. Can you go on a walk with me? Absolutely. But you know, half of our brain is being, you know, making sure our kids aren't running away or doing whatever. Um, but yeah, I think when we found that common ground between us, even though we have, I'd say more in common, um, that really grew our relationship and that would have never happened had I not learned. Oh, no, I read that book, you know, and we read. Let's let's read together. Yes. <laughs> it is definitely true. And then after we've left, obviously, we've continued our book club a little bit. And so that's been great. So yeah, virtually, that's the other thing that's great about it, right, is you can do things via the internet now. Mm-hmm. And it's great. We get a lot of material. You can download books, you can share things instantly. I still bother you with quotes and links and <laughs> Please all do. that stuff. And, <laughs> and it just grows. It grows our relationship more. Yes. Well, I love it. All right. So we're going to be diving into our self-reflection book flight today. What are we going to be sampling for our first book? Uh, so I did struggle a bit because there's so much good information out there. <laughs> but the first book I wanted to recommend to your listeners was Four Agreements. It's a practical guide to personal freedom. Um, this book, 
I call it a coffee table book because I think it's one of those that you can pick up and read wherever you are. Um, if you were to enter into my house or a waiting room, it doesn't even have to be on the start of the first page to really just dive in. Um, it does a good job of dividing these four agreements and explaining things further. So I do highly recommend um, the four agreements in this, mostly because it's a quick read, it's a simple read, but I think the points that are made and these agreements that are made are extremely important to our everyday lives. I find myself constantly referring back to them, whether it's in conversation or a self-reflection moment <laughs> that I might be having. Um, they just, they, I hear it, you know, it don't, don't assume that don't, you know, don't assume, you know, what these people are thinking. Don't assume that that's what they think of you. Um, also that be honest, like that mm -hmm. is a huge value to me. And, and they discuss it. They, they, they break it up. And I say they, sorry, because I know <laughs> it's been rewritten and discussed. Um, but the author really talks about, you know, these four points that are super important to me and, you know, being impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Oh my goodness. So hard. <laughs> so don't hard. make assumptions. <laughs> don't make assumptions and always do your best. And, you know, these are things that I'm preaching to my kids right now, you mm -hmm. know, that it really does matter. And I just love the simplicity of this book. Yeah, I think it would be a great book that really anybody could pick up, like you said, at any time and anywhere, because I've read this as well. And it's a short, but it's a simple read. And just the lessons in it are so valuable <laughs> to right. just how and you want to things... show up in this world. Yeah. And you can dive deeper if you if you want to or if you need to. Um, but like I said, I always go back to it. And honestly, I think even young readers could get into this mm -hmm. um, maybe with guidance because there might be some examples you know they might not really understand why sure. they have to be so honest you know and, and we learn about other people's experiences and why it was important to them in this certain experience but i do i think it's simple enough for all types of readers and i would highly recommend it yes i think before we read this for book club i had seen this book floating around i just never had picked it up. So I'm glad I'm really glad that we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think I saw an article. Um, I think this is gonna sound crazy. But I think it was Tom Brady recommended it in an interview. Um, or maybe it was in the review itself. But I remember seeing his name with this. And I'm like, Poof, if Tom Brady recommends this <laughs> book, like, who am I? <laughs> That's great. Do you have anything else you want to add about that one? Um, no, I just don't want to give away too much. Yeah. I think um, sharing the four agreements might just get some head nods like, oh, that makes sense, you know, but it really is about you reading it yourself and coming mm -hmm. up with your own opinion. I think that's really important. Yeah. I think he gives in within that book, he gives you questions to really look at it for your, from your perspective as well. So it's not just, okay, these are the ways you should live, but he gives you a little bit more guidance in how do you look at that for your life? And then how do you apply that for yes, your life? How does it apply to you? Definitely an important question in all of all books. I think you can be telling a story, but everybody's going to take something different from that story. Yes. Okay, so that was The Four Agreements, A Practical Guide to Personal Freedom by Don Miguel Ruiz. What is your second book? 
So I've already name dropped him. <laughs> um, and I, and again, I debated on including this one, but Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules of Life is another book that I refer a lot to in, in everything that's going on. Um, I know he can be a bit, or <laughs> he's categorized as a controversial speaker slash figure because he is technically a celebrity figure now. But the work that he put into this book is so impressive. Um, and the data and the facts that he has been able to basically summarize, which sounds crazy because the book is, is it's a long read. Um, but I just love how much fact, how many facts are put into this book and how well he was able to summarize some really, really heavy thoughts. Um, and I say heavy because I do consider it a heavy read. Um, I do think you need your little notepad or highlighter, or I love that you can highlight things on tablets. I'm a big fan of that. Um, I do think you need time to read this book and really dig into it. But that's another reason why I love it is how it is organized is by 12 rules so you could just pick it up and mm -hmm. be like okay what's what's rule seven you know and and start there and you won't get lost so i've noticed that is a theme throughout these books is they do a really great job of organizing them so you can go to the table of contents and use it very easily to refer back to things like i i've done it multiple times i do have the hard copy of this book it's considered you know one of those that I keep a hard copy of because I refer back to it and I have handed it to other people um, where, you know, Hey, you know, Jordan T Peterson talks about that too. And he mentions it in this book and I've handed it over and I'm like, Hey, check out rule three or rule four. It might apply to you. And then also he has every footnote. He does such a good job of um, citing all of his work and all the footnotes in there allow you if you want to venture further if you want to go to the original source and just get more information on the topic it's all right there i think this book is very impressive it, like you said and all the data and everything that he puts into just one rule it's like i want to go live inside his head one day like how do <laughs> you know, think? have a conversation <laughs> how do you for think? sure <laughs> And, um, and we probably should mention it is Dr. Jordan Peterson. So he, he is coming from a psychological background, which to me is important. I, I love people that come from the scientific and behavioral side of things. They can really um, share their personal experiences, which he does. He doesn't just use facts from the Bible. He does biblical things. He does historical things. Um, but he isn't afraid to share his own experiences with each thought, um, he does a really great job on, on, you know, sharing certain case studies that he might have been a part of, or certain cases of individuals um, where they were his clients. He does a good job of just, you know, giving you several examples of how it might apply to you. Yeah, and in saying that it's scientific, don't listeners don't think of that like oh it's boring because he definitely does a really <laughs> yeah. good job where it's very engaging. I absolutely think of, you know, back when I was in school, all the scientific papers I had to read that weren't the most engaging. Yeah, <laughs> but it's this not is a not scientific that. journal. Yeah, it is not a scientific journal. And you coming from a medical background, I'm sure you have plenty of, you know, head and honors. 
where you you're could... nodding off, but no, you won't be doing that in this. I promise. Um, there's definitely something in here for everybody. And, um, the other thing that people should do is they should research how this book came about because what a lot of people don't know is that this didn't, he didn't just sit down and write this book. It came from, um, of course the, the terminology slips my mind. Um, kind of a forum where, cause this was before, you know, blogs and everything else where he is a professor and was, has always been an professor and he put, uh, just basic thoughts out there. I think it started with like 40 something goals. Like it started very large and from all the forum feedback that he received from students, from community members, all this information uh, that he received back is how he came up with this idea where he's like, oh, I can really narrow this down. And this is of interest to people that I'm teaching and people that I'm a part of this community with. And they want to know, they, they want the guidance. They want my opinion on this topic and that's how it became and i think it's wonderful i think it's great that he was brave enough to share you know what he came up with because sharing your opinion can be kind of scary sometimes mm -hmm. and um i understand that that can cause controversy but he is someone of course that i respect and he doesn't need my validation or my respect but i do respect how he is approaching things he he tries his best to just this is my opinion and I understand that people aren't going to agree with it. And, but if you need some guidance, this, this is my opinion on that. And sometimes we agree with it and sometimes we don't. And he's also drawing that wealth of knowledge that he's drawing from, you know, like you said, it's the empirical data. It is history. It is biblical stories. Like it's not just him writing a book on his opinion to write a book on his opinion. Right. Like he is drawing yes. from like a wealth of information to make these 12 rules. And I think that's, to me, what was so impressive when I read this book. This was a, actually, I think, the first book that you recommended me when we started our <laughs> <I'm sorry>. friendship. <laughs> no, no, no. And I, but I actually tried to start it as an audiobook. And I will caution, the audiobook did not work for me because it is such a dense read that I felt I really needed to see it on the page to actually take it in. So I put the audiobook down and it's okay to put books down. I used to have this mantra of like, I ha if I started a book, I had to finish it. But I've had to let go of that after becoming a mom because you just do not have time <laughs> to finish not. books yeah, that picky. yeah you don't that don't work for you. But it wasn't that this book didn't work for me. It was just that format that didn't work for me. So then I had to change over, and I actually ended up buying this as a hard copy book because I thought my husband and I would enjoy reading it as well. And so we bought it as a hard copy and. 100% changed the way I felt yeah. about the book too. And, and it goes, I think mentioning that your husband and you both read it. My husband has also read this. So I know I made a little jab that he doesn't read, but when you find out that someone that you really care about has read a book, it's more push or drive for you to read that because you want to connect in a way. So it was my husband who introduced me to Jordan Peterson. I don't know if he regrets it now because I am you know, sold <laughs> and I have read all of the books um, and listened to his podcast. And there's there's times where sometimes, like you said, audio wise, um, it gets a little over my head because I'm distracted or I'm not really absorbing everything. Um, and also there is maybe some data in there that you're not that interested in and it's okay to skip over it. Mm -hmm. um, I found that I had to revisit 
some things because we were discussing it, you know, in a book club. So I wanted to make sure to acknowledge each point that he made. But there were some sections where I'm like, I, I'm not following this or I'm not familiar enough with this. I know that there were some stories that, you know, Greek mythology stories. I'm like, oh my goodness, when did I learn that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I felt myself kind of getting distracted because I just wasn't familiar. But once you finish the thought, you can go back and apply it to what he is discussing. So I, I find it to be fun. I find it to be a little challenging and a way to, you know, spark the conversation. In saying that this is a challenging read, would you say this would be for new or seasoned readers, or do you think it's applicable to all? So my gut feeling is that it is for a seasoned reader. However, if you read the reviews, that's not the case. Um, There are a lot of young, intelligent people, and by intelligence, I'm not measuring that on book sizes or Mm -hmm. your, you know, how many novels you've read it really resonates with a lot of different people. So I wouldn't want to say seasoned reader only because I don't want to intimidate anybody. Um, I do think it applies to everyone again. However, I would throw caution to the wind that you'd want to give time to this book. It is something that if you don't have time to dedicate and, and actually listen to what's being said, you could get a little lost and, not find it very interesting. So if you're on the go busy and you're looking for a commuter book or something, this might not be that choice. Um, But if you're looking for something that can help guide you or guide someone you know, or guide your, your own, I guess, family members, uh, if you're a mom, if you have some teenagers, I think this really sits well with those that are transitioning into college Mm -hmm. and those that are going off on their own, it really emphasizes the importance of finding yourself and staying focused on where you're going and why you're headed there. It's a really great book for those that are journeying, you know, becoming independent and going off on their own. I think it's a really good choice. I found that this book actually was a turning point for me because it really made me think about topics that you said were maybe in your head, there are these deeper thought topics, but I had no idea how to express them out into the world. And I found that this book really helped me formulate values, morals, just things in my mind that then I was able to express. And like you said, that then translated out to my kids in a way, like I'm not telling them these 12 rules for life per se, (laughs) But I was able to express a lot better what I was, what our values are, what the meaning is behind things. And he really did a good job of helping me put thoughts to words, yes, if that makes sense. <laughs> I think that's a common theme for me in this genre. Um, it is very difficult to put into words what we're feeling, or maybe um, I think he did a good job of narrowing it down for us where you know, we have all these emotions and we have all these feelings. And, you know, I do react in that way to this. Why, why do I react in that way? Well, it's because you value this. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. it's that whole light bulb moment where you realize, wow, I must really care about that. And it's okay to express that. And, you know, he gives you exactly like you said, the word or the rule that 
this is why you feel this way. And it is a little bit of validation, <laughs> which is always nice. Um, but also, like you said, it simplifies things where we can share it with those that we love and those that we're caring for. It's important for us to be able to express things in a simplistic way to our children. So if my child wants to know why it's so important not to lie, I'm not going to sit there and be like, well, Jordan Peterson said, you know, blah, 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 and all this factual data. I'm just going to simply say that it's important to everybody and it's our family value and that's important to stand by. Yeah, it was a great job for that. Do you have anything else you want to add on this one? I feel like we could do a whole podcast on this. So no, I would say let's let's move on and save all the wonderful information for those to discover for themselves. Okay. All right. So that was Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. And what is going to be our last pairing? So the last one to transition on all those emotions that we feel, I have to mention Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. Brene Brown, I'm sure people have heard this name. They might not know why, but <laughs> she is everywhere and she has the right to be everywhere. Uh, a lot of people know her from her TED Talks. Uh, she is a behavioralist, so she's done a lot of work out there to bring all this wonderful data on emotions to us. And she does that in multiple books. Uh, the TED Talk that people know is Power of Vulnerability. Mm -hmm. She talks a lot about shame and how she just knows how to normalize, you know, feelings and how we're feeling about things. And Atlas of the Heart is just phenomenal for that reason. She defines emotions like nobody else. And she doesn't do it in a boring way mm -hmm. where you're opening up and reading a dictionary. She is sharing. She is so open with her own experiences, with experiences that she has witnessed. Maybe it wasn't even her own emotion. She just is willing to do that work with her team um, to really dig into the why. Why are we feeling this? Is this a feeling? Is this an emotion? Is it a primary emotion? You know, I don't think it was until I started I guess, listening to Brene Brown, because she has her own podcasts and reading her books that I realized there are layers to our emotions. And it's sometimes it's not fair to just limit them to, you know, halt. I always talk about halt where it's like, okay, why am I feeling this way? Oh, halt. It's hunger, anger, loneliness, tiredness. You know, mm -hmm. I, I say those things because that's what I was taught, you know, but Brene Brown is just like, hold up. Like, no, it's not, it's not that simple. <laughs> you know, we're complicated people and we have, you know, more to share and, and more, we need to give more credit to ourselves and be vulnerable in a way that these emotions are strong. So she does an amazing job of just defining emotions that we feel on a daily basis. Um, sure. We might not feel them to their extremes, like, you know, sadness, I might, I'm not going to feel, I might not be feeling depressed today, but sadness is a normal emotion and we will feel it, you know, on every moment, you know, oh, I'm just, I'm sad. I missed that. Or I'm sad. I stubbed my toe. Oh, now I'm angry. You know, <laughs> there's multiple layers to, um, to what we're feeling. And I just, I love how she lays it out. Yeah. She did a good job. I think in this book, like you back to the organization of 
like the layers of like similar emotion like you said the sadness to depression Mm -hmm. like it would kind of go down the line and so it was easily laid out by the chapter of maybe these all fit in the same category of emotion but they're different degrees as you read through them yeah absolutely and and some things i never thought of that way you know to say that this emotion is tied in with that one you know it allows you to kind of sit with it and think about your own experiences and see if it's the same for you because she also does a good job of not saying that she knows it all and that this Mm -hmm. is this is the answer you know she is that's what i mean by very open and understanding to the human behavior and the human emotion of we're not perfect and we're all going to have different experiences but if we're able to identify our feelings or our emotions behind those experiences then we are probably giving ourselves more grace and allowing us to do better the next time it comes around. And I think that's really important. Yeah. She does not come across as preachy in her books. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely not. She's, she's good for a good joke. (laughs) Um, And also, you know, some of the best humor I think is when you make fun of yourself and she, she does that too. Um, But it's just, it's ownership. It's owning she's owning these emotions. She's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I've, I've experienced this and I know other people have because I have astronomical amount of data to prove that. Um, but also there's, there's a reason for her success. She started, you know, small, just like anybody else. And she just took off because this is all extremely relevant to what's going on with us. I read something the other day and I am not sure if it was in her book because I'm still working on finishing it up. Um, But it was talking about how in people that we're drawn to or people that we want to make connections with, we we look for the vulnerable people, right? We want people that are genuine. We want people that are authentic in the way they show up in this world. But that is the last thing we show to people is our vulnerability (laughs) on the other end. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm sure she touches base in this book about it because that is a common theme that she discusses. on her podcasts and also just in our TED talks or her writings, it is how we tend to hide our vulnerability and that needs to stop. It's, you know, it's a stigma out there that, oh, don't be vulnerable. That's a sign of weakness. Yet all of us have experienced it. It's, you know, it's so funny that we are so prideful sometimes and we just don't want to admit like, oh, that made me uncomfortable, you know? and okay why did that make you uncomfortable oh because this emotion came about oh yeah well guess what i have that emotion every day Mm -hmm. you know it shouldn't it shouldn't make us uncomfortable there should be no discomfort in talking about emotions but for sure we have some work to do um, individually as a society i think to talk about these things and normalize emotions in general no matter what it might be yeah and back to that validation piece we talked about earlier on when you know someone else maybe respond similarly or feels the same way you do it's it's that validation of like okay I'm not alone like I'm not alone absolutely (laughs) the way I'm I'm feeling yeah and I think I hate talking about it but it's definitely gonna be talked about for years but COVID you know we were alone and we were stuck with our own emotions for a very long time so I think that this book and when it how it came out and when it came out and all of her work was just also perfect timing. I think that's why I'm so drawn to her, Dr. Peterson, other, you know, books in this genre, because 
we had to sit with ourselves for a really long time and figure out what was important to us and what was valuable to us. And, you know, sometimes that we need a little guidance and some validation on, yes, you know, I, I felt that way too. And yes, that is a, you know, a diagnosed issue, or that is an emotion that we have found in thousands of people. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not alone. And you know, then you grow from there then you can realize, okay, this is normal. Why am I feeling it individually? And what can I do about that? And once you accept it, it's so much easier to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that can just that connection point to other people, I think is huge, just which is going to take some probably reintegration <laughs> a little yeah. bit. So after these past two years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, connection, you're, you're saying the right word. It's a connection. And I think, I think they all have good intentions and by they, I the authors of these genres mm-hmm. they're they're not necessarily just doing it to get famous they are craving connection just like we are mm-hmm. do you have anything else you want to add on that one no just you know keep it maybe that's one of those that you use that glossary as one <laughs> of your definition you know dictionary style books um i find that i do read a lot on kindle or or you know any any digital form, I shouldn't just say Kindle because I do bounce around depending upon what's available. Um, I do it for highlighting, but then I will get to a point in a book where I'm like, okay, this is worth having, you know, mm-hmm. having on my bookshelf, something I can come back to because heaven forbid the internet go out or <laughs> <laughs> or we lose power. Which is a know, good possibility sometimes. in Sicily. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh man, Thanksgiving weekend was definitely entertaining with all the power outages. But it is important for us to remember that um, sometimes it's okay to reach back for these things. We don't have to get it all at once. Like you said, you can put the book down. You can come back to it. And these are just the books that I like to keep around because I do like to come back to them or I'd like to share them with other people. So having that copy allows me to do that easier. These are the only genre of books that I probably keep on my shelf (laughs) with moving all the time. And I'm not a big reader. I've said that in a previous episode, but I tend to give books out after I read them just because I'm like, I'm not going to reread this and we're moving again, coming up, you know. So I just try to downsize my bookshelves a little bit. But these are the only ones I, this genre of books that I do keep on hand. Because like you said, I do like to reference back to them in a situation that maybe comes up a year down the road that I'm like, oh, this could really apply right here. And so I like to have these style of books on hand. Absolutely. Like I said, they're kind of my dictionaries, you know, I, I grew up with encyclopedias, you yep. know, you would always <laughs> grab one off the, off the shelf to, to find that data or that information again, and you needed something to reference. And these are my reference books for sure. These are ones I'm going to keep. Great. Well, that was Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. And I've actually prepared a dessert pairing for you today, Amanda. So I'm wondering if you have read On Fire by John O'Leary. Okay, it's the the subtitle of it is The Seven Choices to Ignite a Radically Inspired Life. So the book starts out with, it's from John's perspective, it's his life story. And he, at nine years old, started a massive house fire in his house and he was burned on a hundred percent of his body and so you can imagine the what he had to go through after the fire to to regain his life back essentially i mean at 
when he was burned on 100% of his body back, I think it was the, I can't remember if it was the late 70s or early 80s, medical interventions were a lot different and he was not expected to make it. Right. And so from that moment, and he's telling it from his nine-year-old perspective, he's faced with these very difficult and painful situations that really required him to dig down deep and find his inner strength of who he was as a person. And it's not just, oh, I healed from the burns. Like this is a long road ahead of him. He did a lot of rehab. Um, I don't want to give too much away in all of the his healing journey, but it is these moments and he calls them inflection points in the book. And he kind of, it's these smaller moments. Normally we're looking for like this big happening in our life to be like, the birth of my first child really changed my life. But he's saying, <laughs> look for these smaller moments in the day or in your life and really use them as inflection points where you're going to change the trajectory of your life by your experience. Wow. And so this, I didn't even know that our conversation would go to like talking about slowing down a little bit, but I think this is where that can be a big value. If we're, if we've slowed down a little bit where we can turn down some of the noise in our life, we might be able to pick up or perceive these inflection points in our life and really process them a little bit more. Um, so he gives a lot of practical advice and how to look for these inflection points, how to use them but all while telling his story along the way. And so it's really engaging. It's really interesting. And it causes you to do a lot of self-introspection for yourself. I found myself pausing. I did I did listen to this one as an audiobook. And he reads it as the audiobook, which is really fun when the author reads their own book. Um, but I found myself pausing a lot in this book to really think about how I, you know, the questions he was asking or how I might, um, how I was responding to the book. I almost, it, I, I cried a lot in this book. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, once you started explaining it, I was, you know, this is, this is one of those that, okay, read when you're not around the kids, you know, allow yourself the time to have this on your own and, and take the time to, as you said, think about it and reflect on it and live in the present. I think that's a huge thing from parenting. And it sounds like this is right up my alley. Yeah. And I've even like just talking about that right now, I, this was probably, I read this maybe two books ago and I'm like, I'm or I'm kind of experiencing that like clench in my throat a little bit of like <laughs> the emotional aspect of it where I was like, oh, I'm going to start crying again, just thinking about it. That does not mean it is sad, but it just was so poignant for my life. And I think that it just, I love these stories of people with, they face such adversity or tragedy but they triumph over that and they, it's just amazing. Like would I, it makes me think, would I respond that way in that situation? Absolutely. It challenges you to think that and you hope that you respond in these ways, but it's, it's good. It's good to have these emotions, Kara. Remember it's very <laughs> normal to have these emotions. Yes. Um, and I think that's important. And for him to share his story is amazing because you know, that's probably a part of the healing process as well is there are times when it takes me a while to share my experience with something. Um, and you're right. I could never imagine what he went through, but that shouldn't shy people away from learning from his experience and using it in their lives on a, on a daily basis. I think it's important to realize that it's not a competition. It's just 
these are things that he wants to share with you because it's what you know he learned from and he wants other people to learn from it. So give yourself some grace to have these emotions. Give yourself some time to read that. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I already wrote it down on my Yay. notepad right next to me. <laughs> um, and I think one other point to add about it is we are not guaranteed. And I think most of us know that this life is, it's not going to be easy. We are going to experience hard things in this life. Uh, but I think this book does a great job of like looking for the hope and the possibility that you don't have to be defined by your hard moments and you're not going to stay in those hard moments forever, but keeping that hope and that possibility alive. So I think it, it just is, it does a very good job of that. Yeah. And I think you just described motherhood. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) A little validation there. Um, But it sounds like it's, it's for everybody. Like you said, for somebody who might be going through a hard time, you know, just a little reminder that you can get through it. Yes. It's It's very accessible for all. So that was On Fire by John O'Leary. So I'd love to close our episode with some bonus pairings. And this is just going to be a speed round of questions. So you can just answer them really quick. (laughs) Okay. So where is your favorite place to read? (laughs) So that depends on what I'm reading. Um, But I do have a little chair. It's not that little, I guess. Um, In our living room, it, you know, kind of warms up with the sun in the afternoon and it sits there in the corner and I'll jump in there and put up my feet. I never sit in a chair properly. I always sit sideways. (laughs) I don't know if that's a thing, but um, I do find that as a comfort spot for me. Um, However, it seems to be pretty comfortable for everybody in my family. So sometimes I get little readers on my lap too and end up reading there, but I would say our chair is a pretty special spot. Okay. Pinging in my mind was like the thinking chair. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Blue Swiss. <laughs> All right. So what is one book you have read that has changed your life? Oof. Oh, man. Um, I think I'm going to have to give it up to Brene Brown for right now. I think it might be you know, that's an evolutionary kind of question, I think a little bit, mm-hmm. but right now, um, between her and four agreements is I hear it a lot in my head. Okay. And for Brene Brown, cause I know she has a lot in her catalog. Is it the Atlas of the heart or do you have a specific yes. book? Yes. You tag? Okay. Atlas of the heart. I specifically have read pretty currently. So I think, yes, let's say Brene Brown, Atlas of the heart, little side note of four agreements in there. Okay. All right. I like it. Which do you prefer to read, audio or hard copy books? Um, can back in the day, I probably would have said hard copy, a hundred percent. But I am a digital reader. I think that's my go-to right now. I love the highlighting part of it. I love having it accessible on my phone. Um, sometimes I forget my keys as I'm running out the door. So sometimes I can't grab a book, you know? Mm -hmm. And as you stated, uh, when you live overseas and you're moving around a lot, hard copies are kind of hard to come by. Having time to go to the library is difficult, but now they have all those wonderful digital libraries out there. So yeah, let's, let's give it up to digital. Okay. And in digital, would you specify into Kindle or like a ebook or audiobook or both? So I usually use an app um, because they have so many other features. Mm-hmm. I love being able to look up things. Um, so I like it being connected to the internet. So sometimes when you download things, you can't highlight and hit that quick link to, to look it up. So um, yes, I would say either through Kindle. Uh, I also 
have Apple Books, and I probably dabbled in a few others depending upon what uh, tablet or something that I'm using as well. Okay. And what are you reading next? Oh, goodness. I feel ill-prepared because I know I wrote this down, but I didn't write it on my notepad. Um, I know right now I am reading The Dictionary of Lost Words by Pip Williams. Um, That is a book club book. Yes, I am a book club. Surprise there. Um, And that one we should be finishing up by the end of the week. And then I would say future reads. I have an ongoing list. I talk about writing my notes. <laughs> I have it literally in my notes on my phone. Um, and I have a few other genre books. I have Giles Milton's Churchill's Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare on my list. And that is going out of my realm Okay, a bit. Um, my father is a huge nonfiction history reader. And this was on the top of the list. So I added it. And I added it not only to my list, but I added to the top of my list saying it's time, you know, maybe, maybe it's the winter season. I'm not sure, but I want something a little heavier and something that I can learn from. Um, But then I also have, you know, a few of the classics written there, like to reread some things like To Kill a Mockingbird Mm -hmm. is on my list just because I don't think I gave it enough time when I first read it. Um, sure the first time I had to read it it was signed to me so I'd love to revisit some of those books where I can read it more for my own enjoyment rather than it being assigned and having to write some essay on it um but then now I have another book on fire it's definitely (laughs) I have to read it you know I've been assigned that book but in a good assignment from you know one of my best recommenders I know it's, it's you Kara I I love Yay. <laughs> picking your brain about what what you have going on and what's on your nightstand it's always been great recommendations and I'm super excited about this podcast because of it it just makes it easier and more accessible to me now Yay! I'm so glad to hear that I do feel like I take a great responsibility or steward is coming to mind in curating the books that I'm going to read as well as my kids. So that was a big impetus and behind why I wanted to do this show is we already talked about it, but maybe lack of time. So I don't have time to, I I want a book that's going to speak to me, (laughs) but be just making sure my kids are getting good books with some sustenance behind them and not necessarily the fluff. So I'm hoping along the course of my journey here on this little project that we can do that. So I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) Absolutely. And I look forward to it. I mean, we're both on this motherhood journey and I would love to get your opinion on kid books. That's something I look forward to. Yes. Well, we'll we'll have an episode coming up where we're going to do some YA books. So that'll be coming up here in the future. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know your time is precious and I really appreciate the time you've given me and glad you could be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Amanda Vernon and I in our discussion today. We'd love to hear what other books you might pair with your self-reflective book flight at bookishflights.com. That is also where you can find more information on today's flight and any other books that we talked about today. I want to inspire a community of readers. 
So whenever you share a post about what you are reading or what you are picking up next, especially if you have heard about the book on the show, please tag us. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Bookish Flights. This is a brand new show, so if you enjoyed it, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give the show a review. Your review not only helps me, but it also helps the show reach others. Make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure that you will not miss an episode. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As Emma Thompson said, I think books are like people in the sense that they'll turn up in your life when you most need them. Cheers to you, dear readers. Until next time. Thank you.